one of the tragedies of growing up or growing older is that we get used to things. With small children in my house, I see how everything is, is new and exciting, and even if you've done it a hundred times before, it's still exciting, and you want to see it again. Everything is, is, is great and exciting and awesome and cool to them, as they'd say, and, it's, and everything is... Everything is new and they're not used to anything and they don't get bound down by things. But as we grow up, as we get older, we often forget. We get used to things. The new often becomes the old and the old becomes the boring and the boring becomes just a routine, something that we do, right? It happens to us even in our spiritual life. Our lives get busy in the Things that we knew that we would always remember get swept up in the hustle and bustle of life. And this happens in the Christian life too. As we've had VBS and kids camp and with my own children and talking with people and with, with some children about being baptized and kids and youth and all of these things, it amazes me how, how quickly we forget what this is all about. How quickly we forget why we gather here. For a, a purpose. And it's not just because that's what we always do. And it's not just because it's something to do on Sunday morning. It's not just because your friends go here. But we gather together for a purpose. When we are new in Christ, or when we're new in church even, we have a keen awareness of our sin. We have an appreciation and a love for Christ. We have a passion and a love for others that burns Brightly, that, that burns with a great fire, but over time, those things can fade into the background, right? We just sang the song. Oh Lord, please light the fire that once burned bright and clear. Right? Replace the lamp of my first love that once burned with holy fear. That, and David, as he prays to God in Psalm 51, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, renew a right spirit within me, right? Restore to me, he says, the joy of my salvation. It's not that we set out to purposely forget God or Jesus or His workforce on the cross. In fact, if you're like most people, the more you try to forget something, the more you remember it. It's, it's not that we set out purposely trying to do it, but we can go through day by day. We can go through days that turn into weeks and weeks that turn into months and months that turn into years as individuals and as a church. And even though we may be doing Christianly things, we forget the real reason of why we do it. The Gospel, you see, is the greatest thing in the world. The Gospel is the news that we are more sinful than we ever thought, but that we're more loved than we could ever dare to believe. Everyone wants to be loved. But we often think, if people knew who I really was inside, the thoughts and the things that consume my life, the things that go on, what's happened in my past, they wouldn't accept me. They wouldn't love me. But we come to the Gospel and the Gospel says God knows everything about you, but that He still loves you. Everything you've ever done and everything you've ever thought and every sin that you've ever committed and every sin that you've ever omitted when you haven't done what you know you should do, God knows all of that. It's the news that we're more sinful than we ever thought, but more love than we could ever dare to believe. It's beautiful news. It's the greatest news that someone loves us. More than that, that God knows us. And all of us, down to the deep recesses of our hearts, 
He knows all of us and He still loves us. And that's what we are all desire. To be fully known and to be fully loved. Most of us throughout our lives and most of our relationships, we, satis- we, we are satisfied with being partially known and partially loved. Right? You see the difference? And maybe there are a few people in life, maybe a spouse, maybe a friend, a family member, maybe a mother, father, maybe somebody that is coming to your life and you think they know everything about me. And to be fully known and to be fully loved is what all of us desire. And that's the Gospel. That's what the Gospel says, that God knows everything about us and that He fully knows us and that He fully loves us. But, But we forget. It's a sign of our wicked and our sinful hearts that the greatest news ever proclaimed can be crowded out of our hearts and minds by amusements and by entertainments. Even if it's pushed out by good things, by family or friends or by school or by work or by life, it's wrong because nothing is greater than the Gospel. Nothing is greater than the Gospel. There's no greater news. There's nothing greater to talk about or to sing about or to dwell on. We saw in Philippians, Paul said, whatever is true, whatever is Lovely, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, think on these things. That's the Gospel. That's Jesus. That's what Paul is saying. Think on these things. Why does he have to tell us that? Because we think about everything else. But Because our mind is consumed with the news. Because our mind is concerned with the next election. Because we're worried about court decisions. Or we're worried about our health. Or we're worried about all of these things. And these are many of them good and important things. I don't want to downplay them. And many of us as we walk in the doors this morning have a lot going on in our life. Things that are weighing us down and pressing down on us and things that aren't the way they should be. We have upcoming medical decisions we have to face or tragedies or trials or things going on around us or just life that has gone on. And we come in here with these things and we can even go through the motions and sing a song hear a sermon, pray a prayer, give a buck, and go home. But that's not what God wants us to do. He says, remember, you are fully known and you are fully loved. Paul says, think on these things because our mind too quickly turns to other things. Think on these things, he says. It's wrong to think about other things because this is the greatest thing. It's better than earthly pleasure. It's better than the love of a family. It's better than anything. Jesus' death on a cross and His resurrection is the greatest news. It's news. It's a proclamation of something that has been done. It's not advice about how to handle an upcoming situation. It's news. This is done. It is finished. It's been accomplished. And even things that we do too often, or that we do often in themselves, can become routine. And we forget those too. Even we take for granted our family and our friends and we take for granted our 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 own life as well well our own life with God I heard a man tell a story about watching his son his grandson chase a ball around the room he wasn't very old just old enough to crawl and he would run over and hit the ball crawl over and hit the ball and it would move and he would cackle with delight and then crawl over to chase it again and hit it again and he did that for 45 minutes around the room and then one time he hit the ball and it rolled into the kitchen underneath the sink out of sight. 
And the boy sat up for a minute, just a little infant, and sat up for a minute, then looked around, and then went on and moved to something else. And he said, he said I, I sat up quickly. His daughter-in-law was there in the room and was worried. What's wrong with him? Why isn't he chasing the ball? What's going on? There's something wrong with him. We need to take him for tests. He said, we need to figure out what's wrong with him. And his mother said, well, he doesn't have object permanence yet, right? You know how babies get that. If they can't see it, it doesn't exist. When, they, when you play peekaboo with a baby, why is it so exciting? Because they think you're really gone, right? They don't know where you went. This man was a pastor and he said, oh, I have some church members like that, right? If they can't see it, it doesn't exist. We think that way with God often. That we come in here and we do all, all of these things, but we don't ever see God tangibly, and so we have that object permanence, right? We forget. And, and it gets lost up in all these things that we do see every day throughout our lives. It's the greatest news ever proclaimed, Jesus' death on a cross, and still we forget. So what are we to do? How are we to keep the works of Christ forefront in our mind? Well, luckily it's not up to us or up to our own inventions. Before Christ left His disciples, before paying the debt we owe for our sin on the cross, He left instructions to His disciples. We have the example of the Gospels. We have the example of it in the Gospels, the story, and we have it as Paul relates it to us in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23-29. through 29. It'll be up on the screen. You can read along with me or open your Bible and follow with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23. Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which He was betrayed took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is My body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. In the same way, He took the cup also, after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in My blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of Me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. The Lord's Supper, we call it. Communion, Eucharist, some, some other people call it. It's instituted by Christ. And this, what Christ has put together, is to be the antidote to the forgetfulness of our hearts. Do you understand that's why He did this? Not so we would have something to do. Some churches do it every week and that's fine. Some churches do it every year and that's fine. Here's what Jesus said. As often as you do it, do it in remembrance of Me. Why? Because your heart and your mind forgets. He knew the disease of our heart, the forgetfulness to crowd out the works of God. And so He says, I have the medicine for that. I have the antidote. I have the vaccine that you need that will stop this. Do this in, remember, in remembrance of Me, He says. We are instructed to do this, to reenact this part of the Last Supper. A few years ago, we had a man who was a, a, a Messianic Jew, a, a Jewish person who follows Christ, come and walk us through the Last, Summer, Last Supper, through the Passover meal. We cooked it, or they cooked it, I didn't. And, uh, and, 
and we had the full meal and the and the dip and the bread and the juice and, and all these things that it represents. This is just a small part of it, right? But Jesus said, and as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Why? Because our heart forgets. Why do we do this? Not because it has any mystical meaning. The bread and the juice that we use, they don't change. Some people say that in different religions say when we take part of this that it becomes the body and the blood of Christ. That's not what Jesus says. He says, this is my body. This is an example of my body. Take this and do this in remembrance of Me. It's to be a token. It's to remind us. They're merely symbols of the body and the blood of Christ. Of bread and of juice that we take. It's a symbol, but one that we desperately need because our hearts and our minds are so forgetful. They're so forgetful that the work of Christ are are pushed out by other things in our life. And so Christ gathered together the disciples and He said, do this to remember Me. Even the disciples He knew would forget. Even the ones who sat there and shared the meal with Him. John, the beloved disciple, it says, leaned on His shoulder. He knew that all of us are prone to forgetfulness. So that's what we're going to do today. Why remember this? Because the bread and the juice symbolize the body and the blood of Christ. It's to be a reminder that His body was broken for us. It's to be a reminder that His blood was shed for us. Why is that important? Because that's the only way that we gain access into the Father. Without the shedding of blood, the Bible says there is no forgiveness of sins. There is no remission of sins. Do you know in the Old Testament... In Leviticus, there's lots of laws laid out on how they're to sacrifice and how to do these things. And the, the descendants of Aaron, the tribe of Levi, were to be the priests. And in Le- Leviticus 21, they lay out some of the guidelines for the priests. And you know what it says? It says if you're deformed, if you have a sickness, if you have an illness, if you're missing a limb, if you have scabs, if you have eczema, if you have a broken hand, or a broken foot, if you have a defect of any kind, you can't come before God, it says. How, how, how many of us here this morning, if we still lived by those rules, could approach God? How many of us would be left outside and not able to go in and offer sacrifice? But when Christ died on the cross, the veil of the temple was torn in half from the top to the bottom because Finally, the way was paved for us to go to Christ, not by our blood, not by the blood of goats and lambs, but by the blood of Christ. That's why we gather together and do this. We're prepared to partake in the Lord's Supper today. And this is a, it's a family thing, meaning it's the family of God. It's for those who are children of God to remind us of Christ's sacrifice for us. That the body of Christ was broken for us. That the blood of Christ was shed for us. If you're not a child of God, if you're not a Christian, this won't mean anything to you. But I hope that, that through our remembrance that you see Christ. And for those of us who are, who are Christians, this is not something that is to be done lightly. Paul tells us in verse 27-29, through 29, Whoever eats the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself, 
And so let them eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Search your heart, says Paul, for things that separate you from God, for the sin that you've chosen over God. Confess your forgetfulness to Him. Confess, as we've journeyed through Philippians, that you have not been rejoicing where He commands us to rejoice even in spite of our circumstances. Uh, that you have not anywhere and in all circumstances learned to be content. Confess the sins in your heart that have kept you from God, that you've not been dwelling on what is lovely and noble and pure and right, that you've been thinking on these other things. Here's what Paul says. Each of you search yourself. I don't know what's in your heart. And you don't know what's in mine. And thank goodness for that, for both of us, right? But you know what's in your own heart, and God knows. There's nothing you can hide from Him. Before we begin, we're going to take a few moments. I want us to spend a few minutes preparing our hearts and our mind to, to worship Christ. That's what this is, right? It's worship. When we think of worship, we think, well, worship means singing songs, but it does mean that, but, but, but it doesn't mean just that. We can worship while we partake of this this morning. There's people working in the nursery this morning. They're worshiping as they take care of children over there. You taught Sunday school this morning, went to the nursing home. You, you worked throughout the week. You took care of children. You did whatever you do during, throughout the week. All of those things can be worship. And this especially can be worship as we remember what Christ has done for us. Right? When we think about sin, we often compare ourselves to others. Well, I'm not as bad as them. As Jesus told the story about the Pharisee, thank God I am not like one of them, He says, the publicans. But to really understand our sin, we must compare ourselves to Christ. What, what, what do we say here over and over and over? Proper understanding of God and a proper understanding of ourselves is, is the basis of the Christian life. And that's what happened for Paul. He saw the resurrected Jesus. He saw Him. He was walking down the road, minding his own business, traveling with a cohort, going to persecute Christians, and there's a blinding light, and people fall to the ground, and some people could see it, and some people couldn't. They could hear a voice, but... Paul saw it, and he said, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus. I'm the one to persecuting. Why do you kick against the pricks, he says. Why do you kick against the goat of the gospel? Come on, let's go, he says. He tells Ananias, who goes and lays hands on him, he says, I will show him what he must suffer for my name's sake. Paul says he was the chief of all sinners, and he wasn't comparing himself to other people even though he had plenty of things in his past. He was comparing himself to Christ. Isaiah saw God in the temple and was made aware of his sin. The holiness of God is what makes clear the wickedness of our hearts. The deacons are going to come forward and our accompanists are going to come forward. And I want you to spend some time this morning comparing yourself not to others, but to God. Not just sins of commission, what you've done that you know you shouldn't. We lie and we gossip and we cheat and we steal, but also the sins of omission. As we said, he who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it to him, it's a sin. The things that we leave out. The things that God commands us to do to walk humbly and to love justice and to love mercy. The things that Christ commands us to do.
And we'll pass out the plates. And as it comes by you, don't take it lightly. But consider Christ's sacrifice for you. If you know your heart's not right, let it go by. But all of us, use this time to worship God. Use this time to listen to what Christ is saying to our hearts. Right? I'm going to ask them to come forward and they'll begin playing. And I want you to bow your heads and spend a few moments in prayer with yourself between you and God. Asking God to reveal those things in your heart about what, the, what those things have been that separate you from Him. Right? Let's spend a few moments in doing that this morning. Father, if we confess our sins, You are faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we confess, well, when I confess my sins are too numerous for me to remember. Search my heart and know me. Purge me. Cleanse, cleanse me with hyssop, as David says. Wash me from my iniquities. We come together to do this this morning, Lord. May this be a reminder of Your shed blood for us and what You have done for us. I pray, Lord, above all else, God, that we would honor You, Lord, by our worship through this this morning. We love You, Father God. I pray these things in Your name. Amen.